I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am your Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, Dr. Future. Whoa, what the? And this is uh, Tom Bionic, who doesn't have anything to do with rock and roll, but usually puts a middle name here and is just kind of blown away Yeah. by what just happened. I'll jazz it up a little bit here on Future Quake. Uh, do you know where that reference comes from? Uh, that sounds like something that uh, Little Richard would say. Well, close. Um the an, the announcer for Humongous and the guys who were attacking the uh, the little oil derrick stand and the Road Warrior when they were approached by the motorcycle gang outside Humongous was from from one or two the two, two Road Warrior yeah he was introduced as the Ayatollah of Rock oh, and Roll I do Rolla. remember that yeah I yeah. do remember that yeah so I thought that would be spiritually uplifting for our listeners. It's good to be back with you again this week. We have a few little specials this week. We hope you enjoyed Tom Horn last week and uh, gave you some food for thought. And uh, we've got a couple special guests that are going to drop in to just update us to hear from the horse's mouth so you won't just hear hear us flapping our gums this week uh, to tell us about some special things that are going on here. And um, first of all, I'd just like to mention the thing that's nearer term uh, for us is the prayer event at mm-hmm. the National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention. That will be on February 26th at 5 p.m. Central Time. If you go to the front of futurequake.com, you will actually see uh, right on the left-hand side there, you can click and actually download the prayer. You can take a look at it, see if you agree with any or all of it, or want to do your own, if you want to know what we're going to be reciting mm-hmm. uh, outside the NRB meeting. and I, We mean outside, out in the cold. Uh, we're definitely there. not yeah. welcome uh, in the place. Of course, we don't have the money to get in there. Yeah. But um, we're going to pray to God, and we want God to do a thing, a special thing in our country, and uh, in spite of us, uh, and in spite of our shortcomings and, and our problems, we want to pray for our, our leaders in the Christian world in America and mm-hmm. our media people, and pray that, that the Lord would impress upon them some issues maybe that we've seen on future Quake or similar mm-hmm. shows, and... Uh, uh, we would like to have you, if you can come, if you're within a couple hours' drive, join us there if you'd like to pray. It's not an event. It's not a meeting. Uh, it's Brother Tom and I praying. But if you'd like to pray alongside us, we'd love to have you. If you cannot come, uh, try to pray with us at that same time. If you can pray the prayer we have, do it right with us, alongside us at 5 p.m. Central Time. If not, do do whatever you'd like. But we'd sure like to join together, unite together in prayer before God's throne, wherever we are. And, uh, by the way, just recorded a, uh, uh, a show with, uh, Derek Gilbert from, uh, PID Radio and View from the Bunker. And, uh, he'll be having that uploaded. He was very generous to give us time to talk about this event. Indeed, sir. And, uh, we had a new idea come out. Uh, we recorded this last night. I had mentioned about having him do a, um, a live blog talk radio show mm-hmm. where they would actually call into a, a phone that we would have on site there, cell phone during the event. And, uh, not only did he think that was a good idea to do, but uh, he said what he would try to do is see about linking it up to other people that have Blog Talk radio shows where it would actually be daisy-chained, simulcast. Sweet. Uh, simulcast across Blog Talk radio. So I think that would be really awesome. I think that would be great. And who knows what the Lord might do through things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, anything you want to add to that? 
That's you got it. You hit it out of the park. Okay, go go to the sail over the fence. Go right to now. the front of futurequake.com, uh, and again, we'll love you there. Hopefully, we'll have uh, our futurequake flag. I'm waiting to have that finished so we can be have cool. that ready to to foist above the future mobile mm-hmm. out in the parking lot there at Opera Mills uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. And all of the logistical details are at the front of futurequake.com. Please pray about it. See if you might want to join us. Be a part of something that the Lord might be might be a part of. Mm-hmm. Something else that the Lord's a part of is a conference coming up called the Politics of Religion Conference. Uh, we've been talking about it a little bit. There's a notice on the front of Future Quake. Uh, we'll both be speaking there, and a bunch of other Futurian uh, guests and friends will be speaking. And the organizer, C.J. Hampton, um, who's putting this together at, uh, at a great challenge, uh, but he's going out on faith on it, uh, we thought it'd be good to have him in to explain, maybe give some more details about it so you know who he is and what's going on, because we really want you to attend in Fort Wayne on April 1st and 2nd. So with no further ado, here is Brother C.J. Hampton uh, talking about uh, his ministry and the Politics of Religion Conference, and then we'll be right back here at Future Quake. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, no very chip in my arm, question mark, bionic. Boy, I'm so glad to hear that because I've been thinking about that today. <laughs> you know, I've got this little spot on my shoulder. It really scares me. What brought Verachev up, I'd like oh, to Oh, I just, uh, one of the stories I have for, for later on in, in the news okay. thing is uh, a, a guy who had a Verachev. Everybody thought he was crazy. Yeah. He's like, look, I got a Verachev in my arm. I don't know how okay. it got there, but I found it with my little homemade x-ray device. All right. And uh, everybody thought he was crazy. And it turns out he not only was he right, but there were two. Okay. He didn't remember how he got well, it. and that's totally unrelated to our guest that we have right now. Someone, a good friend of ours, has dropped in to visit. I think for the first time mm-hmm. on Future Cake, we have C.J. Hampton, uh, who is many things, including the organizer of the upcoming, the Politics of Religion conference uh, coming up. And I want to tell you, Mr. Hampton, it is an overdue pleasure to finally have you on the Future Quake show. Well, it's definitely an honor and a pleasure myself to be invited and to have a chance to talk with you in time. Well, um, I know you're coming under adverse circumstances there. Uh, you're you're right there in the part of the country that's getting hit with the uh, mega blizzard of all time across there. And, in fact, we're having a little uh, audio issue here where we're having a hard time hearing you. I think we're recording okay. It's just a little hard on our audio monitor here. So if you could speak up a little bit if you can. And if you have okay. trouble hearing us, let us know. But I think we have you as a captive audience, uh, right? Aren't you sort of pretty much snowed in? You're not going are? nowhere. Yeah. Yep, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, they must have that heart machine working overtime right now, <laughs> generating this kind of stuff. I thought, I thought it wasn't. Isn't that supposed to like heat the atmosphere though, and and not freeze it? Well, you know, they're blaming global warming for these snow blizzards, so it like has an opposite effect. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, interesting. It's like when they used to say in Vietnam that they had to, like, you know, you know, destroy the village to save it. it. Yeah, Yeah. same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Hey, uh, uh, can I call you CJ? Certainly. Okay, CJ. Uh, We we found this time was a was a good excuse as any to finally get around to arranging this uh, to have you join us here, and also to let our Futurians know about a very important conference that you have organized uh, that will be held in the very near future. But to begin our discussions today, uh, can you tell us just a real brief capsule about yourself and how you came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ? I know probably our listeners would like to know that. Oh, uh, sure. Um, well, I was raised uh, real conservative in a, in a Baptist home, uh, brought up uh, going to church, you know, 
twice on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Um, had a real good uh, base for, you know, grounding and learning scripture, but uh, I unfortunately was real hard-headed like uh, a lot of young kids are, and, you know, I, one thing I like to say is, you know, I could probably pass any Sunday school test you threw in front of me, you know, on a pop quiz or something, but it was all head knowledge. It was never really heart knowledge. And uh, so then once I got out on my own, uh, took a left-hand turn, got into some uh, bad things, you know, drugs, alcohol, various things, and uh, just ended up at a real low point in my life where I finally realized that it wasn't just stuff that I needed to learn to keep other people happy and, and play the role, but it was actually something I really needed to understand and, and actually develop a true relationship with Christ. So um, uh, at the low point where I was at, um, I kind of felt like God gave me the choice of uh, finally letting go of me and delivering me to the consequences of the actions that I was uh, doing, or I could come back to him and he would help, you know, teach me and, and guide me on the, on the correct path. And so I finally broke down and decided that was what I wanted to do. And shortly after that, I met the woman that is now my wife and it's just been a, a spiritual journey since then, growing closer to God and trying to be the best, you know, husband, father, and uh, leader I can be. Uh, when, when was that? How long ago did all that happen in your life? Oh, um, let's see. This would have been about seven years ago uh, when I finally hit yeah. rock bottom and uh, uh, real deep, deep into to alcohol and, and a lot of different drugs and, and involved in a lot of that lifestyle. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, just hit a low point where I was just, <laughs> it just kind of, I mean, I guess rock bottom is the only way really to describe it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just, you wake up one day, you can't remember the last time you, you talk to anyone in your family, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> you just, you're so caught up in getting drunk and, and high all the time that you just, you lose touch with reality, really. You just get into a routine of, you know, constant you know, altered states of mind, and you, you literally lose touch with reality, and then uh, it takes some kind of major bad event to happen to make you wake up, and, you know, you know they say that moment of clarity or, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, So, yeah, once uh, once I, hit, you know, hit that, it's, uh, it, it wasn't like a, like a Saul to Paul instant. Yeah. Uh, it changed for me. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was at first. I think that the, the biggest key was just the acknowledgement that I needed to change, and that I couldn't do it on my own. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a lot of it too was um, wanting to not just be with my wife in some sort of like at the time she was my girlfriend and just sort of mm -hmm. casual relationship. Really wanting to develop into into you know a serious relationship and knowing that. The life I was leading at that time, it, it wasn't going to happen. And so it was a real slow process for me trying to get cleaned up. And, you know, and in a lot of ways, even now, there's still things in my life that I need to get cleaned out. And, you know, it's just a constant, gradual journey from then until now of, yeah. you know, asking God for conviction and then, uh, you know, repenting of it, trying to change course and, Mm -hmm. You know, keep working towards uh, a better path and a better better understanding of Christ. You know, uh, it's a shame that nobody in our audience can relate to your testimony at all. I'm sure <laughs> nobody's ever been down a path like you've had. <laughs> uh, now, you're out of the um, Fort Wayne area, correct? 
Yes. General well, uh, as of uh, the last uh, four and a half years, yes. Okay. Okay. Have you found a good community of believers there to be with that you sort of relate to and things? Well, uh, Fort Wayne, I guess there's a lot of uh, towns in the nation that has this nickname, but Fort Wayne has a nickname as the City of Churches. Hmm. And uh, there's you have no trouble finding a church building here in Fort Wayne. Yeah. But uh, um, the, the problem is, is as many churches as there are, there are many different, you know, denominations and beliefs and, you know, things. So, I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of flavor of the week stuff around here. There's, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good Christian communities and, and fellowship areas here as well, too. Um, we were going to a church that we really, really enjoyed, um, it, it was, but unfortunately it was about a 20 to 30-minute drive from our house on the mm-hmm. other side of the city. And uh, uh, now that we have three kids, and uh, real early, they only have it's a small church, so they had well one service yeah. early on Sunday morning. We decided we needed to find something a little closer to home. Yeah. And so we uh, we've kind of been on a little church search here recently, and uh, we think we found a new church home. It's mm-hmm. kind of a bigger church than what we're used to, but uh, I really enjoy it because they actually open up the Bible on a Sunday morning service and uh, don't just take something out of context and create mm-hmm. a doctrine around it. They actually try and preach what the Bible says, and they have a wonderful children's program for our kids and everything, so we're excited. Well, you're always welcome to join us. It's just a brief five-and-a-half, six-hour drive yeah, for man, you. Yeah, come way. on down. Uh, you know, I made that drive one time to go to church with you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd enjoy having you. Hey, I want to ask about another part of your uh, your Christian life. Uh, so, Certainly. You, you decided some time ago to join the ranks of, uh, I guess what we coin alternative Christian media. And you started your own podcast on the Revelations Radio Network. Can you tell us about it and, and what inspired you to start it and its purpose? Well, that all started a little over two years ago. Uh, I, at that time, was still in the, like, I, I made my commitment to Christ. Uh, we, My family had just moved to Indiana. Well, not just, but with you know, within the relative time, within a year or so, I just moved to Indiana and... I finally decided that if I was going to be a Christian, that I needed to actually know what I believe and not just believe what a preacher in a pulpit tells me I should be believing. So I finally decided I needed to read my Bible, I needed to study up, and on my job, even though my job that I do is very busy, I work by myself for 8 to 10 hours a shift, Mm. and so I I, uh, decided to start filling up my iPod with um, Bible studies and podcasts, and that, well, at that time I didn't even know what a podcast was. But uh, so I was like trying to figure out how to work these newfangled contraptions and put music and stuff onto an iPod because I didn't, you know, MP3. What is that? Like I'm, I'm so computer illiterate, it's not funny. And uh, so I just got on Google and I typed in Revelations, and you know, looking for you know, because I was trying to find something that would draw my interest into reading the Bible, and I always had a fascination with prophecy and mm-hmm. the Revelation. And uh, one of the first things that came up was this podcast called Salvation Revelation uh, by a guy named Frank Lordy. Oh, and okay. uh, <laughs> so uh, I started downloading and listening to his shows, and um, sh- very shortly after that is when he organized the Revelations Radio Network. And through that, I uh, was able to start listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White, who I'm sure everyone, every Futurian is, is uh, very aware of his work. Mm-hmm. And uh, then through, you know, all the different hosts that became associated with that. And uh, I, I, 
I just felt like with eight hours a day of just filling my mind with the word, with different studies and different things, I just felt this tugging, like, you know, God was telling me, you know, you could do this. You know, this is something that if you sat down and, and just allowed me to work through you, this is something you could do. And so I thought it was like, okay, after, I don't know, six months, maybe a year of listening to Revelations Radio, I got a hold of Frank and Chris separately, and I was like, hey, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't, I, I barely know how to push the power button on my computer. How difficult is it to learn how to record and edit and do all this stuff? And so over the course of the next two or three months, they were very patient with me and my bazillion emails a day saying, hey, I screwed this up. How do I do this? Yeah. And, you know, never once did they say, hey, quit bugging me or, hey, come on. Right. You can't figure this out by now. They, they were so patient with me. And, and so big, big thanks to, to Frank Lordy and Chris White for that. And so finally learning how to do it. Uh, I finally figured out how to put it all together and upload it to a website and I was like, okay, now I got all the technical stuff down. What direction do I want to take with this? And so there's really, it's weird because if you look through all the different titles from all my past shows, there's really <laughs> no like direction where it follows any sort of sense. <laughs> but the way I, I try I to, yeah, <laughs> the way I try to describe it is just, I, I just try and take people on the spiritual journey I was on in my own life. Right. With the different uh, studies and things I was listening to, where if uh, I came across a really excellent Bible study that I thought could people on their spiritual journey that they were on, uh, I try and incorporate clips of it into my show, maybe yeah. talk about it a little bit. Now, your um, show is called Sword of the Spirit, right? Yeah, Sword of the Spirit uh, on Revelations Radio. And they're all archived and there, so people can even go hear them. They're permanently there for millennia. People can still go hear those. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're they're on a real real big high after listening to Future Quake, and they need to come back down to earth a little bit. You can go to Revelations Radio and check out Sword of the Spirit. Well, if they um, want to hear funny ones, they need to listen to our early shows on either maybe yours or Future Quake or other ones when we first start, because you can usually tell a real evolution in you know the shows. <laughs> of course, we're still real primitive yeah. ourselves, but uh, what was the one where uh, the former co-host? Uh, Fell asleep. Fell asleep in the studio in an actual yeah. radio station twice while we were on air. Twice. Yeah, That's it's bad beautiful. when you can't even keep your co-host awake. Uh, so at least, and hopefully you've never experienced that. But I want to tell our listeners to check out uh, your show. And, in fact, you understand the kind of audience that might come and hear your show because you were once one of them. I mean, you, yeah, exactly. you were the classic scenario of a guy who just looking online, just keyboard search, and this stuff popped up, and that shows the power and the importance of what we do and how it can change somebody's life. And, and now you have the opportunity to return the favor to other people. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anyone, uh, unfortunately, uh, was trying to organize this conference, I haven't uh, sat down to record an episode in a little while. But uh, one thing I need to tell people, anyone has any questions about, you know, trying to learn how to do it, you know, and yeah. it's, it's actually really simple. Uh, my email address is sort of the spirit one, as in the number one, sort of the spirit one at frontier.com, which I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned because uh, in all of my episodes, uh, my my email address is different, but my internet service provider got bought out by another company, oh. and mm. so uh, the the sort of the spirit one is the same, but the 
the company name instead of a dot com, yeah. that mad is that dot com and all that. So I wanted to get that out there. It's okay. sort of spirit one at frontier.com. Okay, that's good. And uh, what we need to do to prevent that in the future is we just need to get Chris White to set up to be an internet service provider for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. He pretty, pretty well is for me right now with all the conference help he's been giving me. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that now. Um, you have stepped out on faith now and organized your first conference that's entitled the Politics of Religion Conference to be held April 1st and 2nd, 2011 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I want to know what motivates you to organize this event and tell us a little bit about, you know, the scope of what it's supposed to be about and what you hope to accomplish with it. Well, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, because uh, this is going to sound a lot similar to my uh, desire to get into podcasting. But uh, last year uh, at the Politics of Religion Conference, you know, just during that whole experience, uh, the fellowship, the amazing presentations, uh, meeting all the speakers, uh, meeting even people that had listened to my show, which was surprising. Um, it was just an amazing event that I think everyone there in some way, shape, or form grew in their spiritual walk, even if it was just with the knowledge of knowing that there's other like-minded believers out there that really understand uh, the truth of, of the world we live in. And it's not just the, you know, the, the pretty picture that TV tries to paint to you through mass media and different things. And that whole time I was there, I was like, I felt like that little kick in the back of my head where God was like, you know, this is something you could do. And I was like, no way. <laughs> and, you know, so I mean, I just, you know, I, you know, just trying to digest all the information and the experiences from that concert after I got back home, uh, I was just really, really amazed at, at the job that Tom Dunn did and putting that together and, inspired and thought, you know, well, maybe someday that's something I might like to try and, and, and do. And uh, then after he, Tom Dunn, after he organized the conference down in uh, Canton, Ohio, this past, I think it was in October, I had heard that uh, he was going to kind of take a step back from actively organizing mm-hmm. conferences for a little while. Uh, he's taken a more active role of leadership in his church. And so there weren't really any opportunities that I was aware of for any sort of conference uh, in this area of the country coming up uh, for for people that really, really enjoyed the last day's conference. There was a lot of people that were kind of bummed and down and out because they were really hoping to have something to go to again this spring. And so I started kicking around the idea of, well, is this something I should try and do? And then I really, really started feeling a prompting from God that, you know, this is something that I want you to do, and if you just listen, submit, and, you know, do the work, I'll take care of the rest. And so I was like, okay, is this something that I'm trying to do out of my own ego? Is this something, because if I decided that I wanted to do it, I wanted it to be for God. I didn't want it to be about me in any way, shape, or form. And so that's when I called our good buddy Tom Bionic here, who okay. since the last day's conference, I've gotten to be pretty pretty good friends with and I, and I just laid out my idea to him and I said what do you think and Tom said well instead of just saying yes or no right now why don't we pray over it so we prayed about it over the phone uh, got back with each other in a couple of days to see how we felt and we both definitely felt that it was something that, that God was was prompting me to do 
And so that was the start of it. That was the organization of, okay, I'm going to start sending out emails, see who I can get interested. And it was really the idea of it was there right from the beginning with the, uh, the, the idea of wanting to get people to sit down and really see what God's Word has to say about politics, about government, and how it's not what a lot of the talking heads on conservative radio stations, media, and stuff are, are telling us it is. Mm-hmm. And so more than anything, that's, for me, the main goal of the conference is just to get people to turn off the TV, put down the magazine, put down the newspaper, and open up the Word. Now, do, do you know of any other conference that you're aware of that is really tackling the kind of topics you're tackling at this conference? <laughs> well, unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> let me see if I have it up here on the computer. Uh, earlier this week, I got an email from Derek Gilbert from over at PID Radio. Uh-huh. And uh, he was said, you know, man, this conference is so timely and so uh, such a great thing that you're doing because there's a, 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 an event, a big conference, the, the, literally the following weekend after uh, the conference that I'm putting on called The Awakening. Right. And they're going to have a lot of the upper-level... Uh, kingdom, uh, theology, uh, dominionist organization there with a lot of heavy hitters politically. And big money. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of the opposite of what I'm putting together. Not, yeah. not a whole lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, the information we bring is, is much more important than what they're going to be spewing there. So. Well, you know, th- th- those things have gone on where they're basically selling a popular message that makes people feel good and energizes and it's all about power. It's about taking over and getting other people to do what we want. Whereas the people you have speaking at your conference and the general theme that I'm picking up is information that's not the kind of rah-rah, cheery stuff not that you hear in church or the, <laughs> the 4th of July conference, you know, 4th of July services in church where everybody's just waving the flag and saying how great we are and, and everything good and, and Jesus is an American and everything that we do Jesus-a. is great. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, you're actually bringing people who love the Bible, love Jesus, who are Bible students, who say that a God's eye view of politics and of America can be quite a different thing than what we hear. And it's not necessarily a conservative or liberal kind of thing. It's sort of a false duality. It's really an understanding of the spiritual powers that are involved. And uh, it really does change when you look at the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of men. And it contrasts quite a bit, doesn't it, from the political involvement we have of uh, of other evangelical Christians today. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I, one thing I want to let people know is that I am absolutely not against America. I'm not anti-government. I'm not, you know, against our way of life. I'm very right. thankful to be an American, to have the freedom to discuss things like this without the fear of persecution. But at the same time, I think that the you know the power elite however you want to label it knowing that how Christians are you know very generally here not you know individually labeling people but just you know they tend to be more conservative more patriotic love their country and so I think because of that they tend to use that against us in, in trying to sway us as a voting block and mm-hmm. uh, just to keep the you know the 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 machine running keep the same people in power the same uh, policies in place, and so I guess my one of the things I want people to realize is we're citizens of heaven who happen to live in America, mm-hmm. and we need to view ourselves that way instead of, you know, God equals America, America is God, 
which, you know, maybe a little too blunt or, you know, aggressive. But, you know, unfortunately, I think it's tending that way. Right, right. Well, <clears throat> what will happen is people come to your conference, they're not going to hear ditto heads. Where everybody hears what makes everybody feel good, they're going to be challenged, uh, and they're going to be challenged out of scripture and uh, reality, and they're going to have to sort of compare their walk with Christ versus what our culture says, and even church culture says, and, and see if they really right. hold up. And uh, I just think that's a very, very useful thing you're offering. Um, as far as the scope of it, can you tell us? Uh, the speakers that you have, and just, I know we're getting late in our discussion here, but if you can give us just a real quick rundown of your speakers and if you know a Certainly. topic that they're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, first up, I got uh, Derek Gilbert coming. Uh, I know he was the MC down at the last AIDS right. conference, but with all the, the work he's done on uh, bringing us all the information about dominionism and the Kingdom Now theology and all that, I thought it would be a great way, you know, for him to get his message out to people that aren't familiar with the internet radio thing. Um, and so Derek Gilbert's going to be there uh, giving us a presentation called We Shall Ascend about the, the dangers of dominionism. Uh, Chris Pinto is on board. He's going to be there giving his Hidden Faith of the Founding Fathers presentation. Uh, he sent me an email a little while ago saying that uh, he's come across some more information that he's excited to present since he's released the DVD of the same title that mm -hmm. he's uh, going to save for the conference. So I'm excited about that. Um, of course, we got you, Dr. Future, coming to give a, a presentation on the historical lessons we should have learned from the separation of church and state. Um, and by the way, give a, this ahead. has been an excuse for me to dig into that a lot, and mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot of stuff myself beyond what I thought <laughs> I knew. And I don't know if it'll matter to anybody else there. But it, it's uncovered some things with me that helped me understand other parts of my faith, more basic things really? as a part of researching this. And so this has been very instructive, although it's a ton of work because the topic is such a deep thing historically and scripturally. But, um, you know, this was a good excuse to focus on something that was overdue. So uh, I just want to thank you for that, although you made my work infinitely harder uh, <laughs> with a topic like this. It hasn't been much free time, but... But, yeah, I'm going to be talking about the concept of the separation of church and state, which most people in the evangelical world have a, a tremendous distrust for that because they think most people have a certain agenda that's anti-Christian when they mention that. And I'm going to try to go straight from Scripture on the concepts of the kingdom of, of heaven and the kingdom of men and the, the proper role of civil government and a little bit of history. And when you look at a little history of the church, it's very eye-opening on this topic, so... Uh, proceed. Who else have you got? Oh, we got uh, my good buddy here, Tom Bionic, coming to give two presentations. Um, he's going to be giving a presentation on uh, the history of false flag events, false flag terror, uh, however you want to label that topic, yeah. from 1950 to the present. Uh, I don't know, Tom, did you want to talk about that a little bit, just to give people a better idea? Uh, yeah. Earlier, <laughs> earlier, uh, uh, earlier, Doctor Future. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of ditto head like feel good stuff. Yeah. This is. Uh, I, I'll say that this is some of the hardest stuff that I've ever read. I'll give you a couple mm -hmm. of examples. In the 1980s, uh, the CIA uh, slash NATO. There was an organization called Saucer. S A S A C U E U R. And basically, it was run by the CIA, mm -hmm. and it was all the other heads of the intelligence services of NATO. Uh, they sent they sent Green Berets 
into a supermarket in Belgium to shoot it up, to shoot random people. 25 folks died there because they wanted – Belgium was swinging towards uh, a sort of loose communism. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have that. So in an effort to get people, the, the populace at large, to swing back, uh, they, they you know, shot up this place. Well, wait a minute. I thought if it's against com- communism, anything goes. Apparently so. I thought so. that was okay since God, Appar- God was on so, our side. Apparently so, because in 68, they, uh, there was a coup in Italy, which I'll, I'll yeah. be covering a little bit more in depth, uh, where they, under the, under the guise of a May Day, or, I'm sorry, not May Day, but under the guise of a parade, they brought all these tanks and stuff into downtown Rome uh, and forced people out of the government, out of the, mm. the power-sharing government that was in place. Uh, later on that, later on a couple of years, well, a couple of months later, they kidnapped a bunch of people and sent them all to Sardinia and tortured them all, mm. uh, all, all under sort of CIA direction, basically. Wow. Yep. Wow. And, and this isn't this isn't me well, making it up or hearsay. Mm-hmm. This is the people who did it. Well, <laughs> it's I'm, like I'm just glad God is on our side. Yeah. Because otherwise, I, that'd be that would that would fall squarely under uh-huh. the justice and righteousness has not been done. All right. Because I, I heard that in the fourth pleading of July the fatherless, fle- pleading yeah. the fatherless, the case of the fatherless, or you know, granting uh-huh. mercy, anything like that. Yeah. Hey, CJ, when you were a kid growing up in Baptist church, like I did, did you uh, did, when y'all had your uh, Bible school or Fourth of July, did you all have your did you have the American flag in your sanctuary? Um, usually for vacation Bible school, like in the summer, we would say the pledge to the American flag, the pledge to the Christian flag, and the right. pledge to the Bible. Right. And those last two, you always had to stumble through because nobody ever knew them, you know, too yeah. exact, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we'd, we'd have the pledge to the flag and have the flag in there most of the time along with the Christian flag. It's just, man, I, uh, I, I didn't grow up in that culture, so I hear that and it just stuns me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like I've been shocked by a... Something that shocks you. I don't you know. know <laughs> CJ, I wish we had extra time in this conference because uh, uh, I'd love to bring a copy of a movie I got from the early 70s called If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do? That It actually demonstrates what would happen if uh, Fidel Castro and the communists took over America, and it shows them uh, going after all the people in the churches here. So, uh, you know, right right now we have a new threat. We've replaced communism with a new threat, and... Uh, so it never fails. We always have a new enemy, just like 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but your your conference is going to be going in a completely different direction. And I, I know we're getting late here. Can you just give us a quick rundown of your remaining speakers? Sure, sure. Um, well, real quick, uh, Tom Bionic here. He's also going to be doing his sleep paralysis presentation again. Okay. That's um, another but, uplifting uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very uplifting. Uh, Chris White, uh, who most people know from Nowhere to Run and all the – awesome debunkumentaries and YouTube videos mm-hmm. he's put together. He's coming to give a presentation on Matthew 24. Um, not necessarily a verse-by-verse teaching of it, but just a yeah. going through it and, and a warning of people to not get your feet set in stone on uh, like a, a single interpretation because yeah. of the, the, the very real possibility for deception that, that, that is in that. Yeah. Um, uh, Andrew Hoffman our buddy Andrew Hoffman, uh, author of uh, New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, Christian Perspective. Uh, he's going to be there, and he's giving two presentations. He's giving the eugenics presentation, and he's also giving a new presentation from a lot of his new work and his new website on mass propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and lastly, we have Russ Dizdar, who's 
coming to give uh, kind of a two-part presentation called uh, Future Politics and the Government that Ends the World. Wow. So that, uh, there's another one of those uplifting uh, ones that you were talking about there. Yeah, well, it sounds like you have a magnificent seven of uh, people you have structured there uh, to... Uh, to give everything that you don't hear in any other kind of Christian conference that has political overtones, uh, everything that doesn't make the cut anywhere else is suddenly uh, focused on in this particular event. Now, it's on April 1st and April 2nd, right? Yeah, Friday evening, April 1st. Um, registration starts around 5. Um, okay. When people purchase a, a reservation or a ticket for the, the, for the conference, um, you don't get an actual ticket. You just need to bring a, a photo ID to match up with your name and, and the state you're from. Uh, and then uh, the conference starts at 6 on Friday evening, goes you know through Friday evening, and then all day Saturday starts at 8 in the morning and goes all the way through uh, the panel discussion in the evening after dinner. And uh, I haven't really put a time limit on that. It's just whenever we feel enough is enough of that, <laughs> we'll kind of mm-hmm. just call it quit. But uh, real quick, I also wanted to add that uh, with the, uh, the reservation for the conference, uh, it does include two catered meals on Saturday, a lunch and a dinner. Uh, it's going to be some great food, some great time of fellowship, and uh, I wanted to make sure and uh, share that with people too, because that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I really, really enjoyed from the last day's conference was the was the fellowship of all you guys down there during meals. Yeah, and we have plenty of time to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to eat for like four days, so I get yeah, get your money's worth. <laughs> but uh, it's a wonderful venue there. It's it's a Holiday Inn Express, is that right? No, yeah. it's uh, just a regular. It's a full service Holiday Inn. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Well, I saw it's a yeah. big room that you got. Got plenty of room for yeah. everybody who's listening to us. And uh, uh, yeah, there's a there's a real big entry uh, way outside the banquet hall where the actual conference is going to be. So there's there be plenty of uh, space for, you know, for Andrew to, to have his book there available for people, for Chris Pinto to sell his DVDs. So uh, it's, it's just going to be a great venue, a great place, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Great, great. And uh, to go sign up for it, which I recommend every one of our listeners do, they need to go to thepoliticsofreligion.com. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Thepoliticsofreligion.com. Um, there's real simple website it's just got a home tab with like a overview a speakers tab that uh, lists all the speakers a short bio on everyone and then the tickets tab that gives all the information about reservations and uh, the hotel stuff is all there and uh, my email address is up there as well sort of mm-hmm. the spirit one at frontier.com if anyone has any questions about it at all please don't hesitate uh, i usually get back to people within uh, a day or two so Okay. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, we'll have that link here with the show. We also have your really fancy graphic uh that I guess Sharon uh, Gilbert cool put together. Poster. Yeah. Um and that's right on the front of futurequake.com. You can't miss it on the right side there the politics religion. Just click on that, it'll go right to the site. Uh please register early if you can so CJ can get a oh, good feel uh, of how many are coming. One thing, uh one more thing I, I forgot I should add uh, just recently uh, in the meeting with the manager at the hotel um, they have, uh, with uh, the, the rooms that they've given us a group discount on and everything, there's a, a block on the rooms until March 18th okay. where they're holding a certain number of rooms for us until then. And that's also kind of getting close to the date where I have to give them uh, a real good ballpark figure of the number of uh, meals that we're going to need as far as the catering. 
And so on March 18th, it's kind of a cutoff date. You can still reserve, make reservations for the conference and get the group discount on a room, but they're not going to hold. It's kind of a first-come, first-served yeah. basis for the rooms. And then uh, the, the price for a reservation is going to go up $10 for the actual conference on that date. Uh, just to kind of get people a little more motivated to, to help yeah. us out with trying to get the numbers for catering in. So I did want to mention that. Sure, sure. Uh, but but if somebody just has uh, the spirit take over their steering wheel on the first and just automatically drive them there, they can still get in anyway, right? There's still provision. Yes, yes. Uh, we're uh, working out the final details on, like, the, the walk-in people. But, yeah, that will yeah. definitely be available. We recommend the former where you'd actually go to the website and register. That mm-hmm. would be be the better approach. And if you do the if you do the just the steering wheel gets taken over, be sure to slow down, you know, before you drive through the lobby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or come up through the where the speaker is at the particular time. Yeah. Um if uh if anybody's up uh, going up I sixty five or, or up toward Fort Wayne from Indianapolis, so the future mobile will be heading out that early that Friday morning the first. So if, if you see the a convoy rolling through the night. If you see the future mobile <laughs> heading down the road, just fall in behind or head. Yeah. I can I be think the rocking be chair. A couple of, couple of po- folks with us. We do. We have on. a convoy from Nashville that's coming of mm-hmm. actual people coming to to the conference, and we'd love all of our listeners mm-hmm. to just file in, join in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want your picture made in front of the future mobile, that would be fine. Um, so. Or you can have it with the fancy pants people who are giving two presentations there. <laughs> They're probably the in-demand people at the conference, not the uh, single presenters. You know, it's funny. You were talking about how your work was, like, infinitely harder. <laughs> I have I have take what's infinitely harder times two. Yeah, well, you're the headliner. <laughs> so, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, CJ, uh, in closing here, um, what, what do you hope to accomplish with this? What do you want to happen to people? Uh, after this, for the, all the efforts you went to? Well, uh, a couple of broad ones would be, you know, just to, you know, have their eyes open to, to understand that, uh, just because you may be a right wing or a left wing person and you tend to watch more right wing or left wing media or whatever, that doesn't mean that that should define how you think or how you believe. Um, that, that just because you're told something in a history lesson doesn't mean that that's what history was, that, that the truth is out there. There is real truth, but sometimes you have to hunt around for it. It's not just mm-hmm. going to be handed to you in a, in a, in a 20-second bullet point on a, on a show or a, or a, a radio program. That I, I, I want people to open their minds and, and be honest, you know, intellectually and, and with their with their beliefs. And the main, my main, absolute main goal for this conference is to get people to open their Bible and and have God speak to them through His Word. Mm-hmm. Um, God's there's there's nothing in the Word that God didn't put there to prepare us for any situation, including government and politics. So right. I think that needs to be our number one source of wisdom, even in the arena of politics and. Um, I guess that's that more than anything. It's just get people back in the word. Well, and you know uh, these political pundits here on TV, left and right, their their whole thing is to divide us and to make us into two camps. And the word of God unites. And the word of God, it doesn't have anything to sell. It's not anything for money. It doesn't have any other kind of hidden agenda, other than to make us all one under Christ, wherever we come from. And I sure hope that's what happens. CJ, I want to thank you so much for joining us. 
Uh, we'll have the link to thepoliticsreligion.com. Uh, there where people can go sign up. Uh, we look forward to meeting our Futurians uh, there. Uh, and I, I, I suspect you're probably finding even some people far away that are planning to come. Well, uh, the, the reservations are starting to pick up a little bit right now. Uh, there is a limit, well, I don't want to say a limit, but there is like a cap on the number of people I can take, but we're nowhere near that yet. So yeah. keep on signing up. And, uh, yeah, so far we've got five states represented. Okay, okay. And I expect that will increase dramatically just like the last day's conference when we get really close to the event itself. So, CJ, I want to thank you so much for uh, following the Lord and what he's led you to do and stepping out on faith. I know it's a little scary at time, particularly when you're having to put cash on the barrel head to reserve a lot of this stuff. And that's why it would be great for our Futurians to step up and support you. And it's a very, very nominal charge, and it has meals included. And uh, you're going to see a lot of people that you just hear about on, on the radio and get to meet them there, ask them questions, and fellowship with other believers. So, CJ, if there's anything else we can do, let us know between now and when we see you here in a couple months. Well, there's one major thing. Okay. Always, always keep praying about it. All right. Yeah. Well, right if, if all else fails, we'll pray. How about that? And <laughs> after all of our great reasoning, we'll yeah. we, we'll get down to praying itself too. So, uh, and that goes for all of our listeners. Pray for this conference. Pray for CJ. Pray for the speakers, and pray that some people there that need to hear from God will hear from God. And that includes us, too. So, C.J., we're going to go. Thank you again so much for being with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. And hang on there on that blizzard and come back. We'd like to have a little longer visit to talk with you, okay? Certainly. Anytime. Okay. We take care and God bless. Okay. That was great having C.J. I think it's his first Uh, time on our show, isn't it? Yep. It's uh, first time here, but when you put on a cool conference and ask me to speak... It's got to be cooler. He did that to buy his way in Future Quake, <laughs> I bet. Uh, it's great to have him here. I hope he comes back for yeah. a longer visit. Uh, he's been faithful. He's always been a great supporter of ours, always Indeed. been a real Indeed. encourager. I enjoy talking with him in all in mm-hmm. all um, forms. And uh, go over to Sword of the Spirit, his show. They're all archived. I think there's like 56 shows archived over at the Revelations Radio Network wow. site. If you go to revelationsradionetwork.com, and they're all there. You can download or iTunes or different podcast feeds. Um, we have one other person we want to bring in a little bit about something else we got going on. Uh, if you've noticed on the front of futurequake.com, we have a new two-book set that's a commemorative set with some special artwork just from Future Quake uh, that has Judge Napolitano's book, Lies the Government Told You, and also uh, our friend uh, Andrew Hoffman, who's written a book called The Eugenic Wars, a very popular book here and with our listeners. And uh, we thought this would be another good time to bring in Andrew. We haven't had him back uh, since we had him back to review the book. He's a dear friend of ours. So uh, here is Andrew Hoffman, uh, uh, author of uh, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective, uh, to update us a little bit on what's going on with him, and we'll be back here at Future Quake. We're back at the Future Quake show with Dr. Future. And Tom, driving the convoy of truth, Bionic. Yeah, but are you like the back door, front door, or the rocking chair? I think I'm, uh, I think I'm rubber ducky. Yeah. Well, this is your bear in the air, Dr. Future, <laughs> uh, with a good friend of ours, uh, dropping in today. His name was dropped in our earlier discussion with, uh, C.J. Hampton. Uh, Mr. Andrew Hoffman, who is the author of The New World Order and Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. And uh, I just want to tell you, Mr. Hoffman, it is great to have you back to the Future Quake radio show. 
I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, most people refuse a second visit, so we're glad somebody didn't <laughs> reject on us for third, once. Technically. Yeah, I guess technically. Yeah. You're right. This yeah. is trio. He'll be getting into that five-timer club before we know it here with all the privileges that come yeah. with it. Um, you know, we originally had you on the show to discuss your groundbreaking book, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. Um, and that visit was somewhat record-breaking for Future Quake in that it was the only book review show that I'm aware of that was so densely packed with useful information that it comprised actually a full three-part show series in Future Quake. So you're unique in the Pantheon. I believe it was three parts, unless I'm correct. I, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm you're, losing you're it here at my age. You know. I'm losing at my know. age. Well, we'll see if see if the guest knows. Guest, do you know? It, it was a it was two weeks, which I which I was told was a record at the time. So okay, I still it's still well then is. I guess I'm wrong then. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> happens all the time. Uh, you know, I recommend that all of our listeners who have not heard those shows, uh, both of them, not three of them. Uh, that they would make it a priority to download them from our free archives at futurequake.com. They are some classic shows, and you will suddenly get a reason and a feeling for why you should have that book in your possession. Uh, But for those who are not familiar with you or your work, uh, Mr. Hoffman, could you give us a very quick capsule about who you are and even how you became to be a follower of Christ? Okay, Uh, sure. I I grew up in the state of Oregon, uh, Christian parents, just went to a, a kind of a regular Baptist church and uh, went to school down in Arizona at Grand Canyon University. Um, and I was a Christian, you know, from a, from a young age, but uh, college was a time that, that I really started questioning different things and, you know, having um, just, just really... Uh, establishing my faith for myself rather than just having kind of believe what I had always been told. And then uh, post-college, I was teaching high school English, which, uh, you know, is, is a tough job. But, but because of all the reading I did for that, um, you know, I was used to analyzing different things and, and different uh, people's opinions. And uh, I started reading some books because a friend of mine recommended them uh, about 9-11. And that really kind of shook my worldview because I had never paid a whole lot of attention to politics um, or anything that would be conspiracy-related and kind of realizing, you know, here's this guy, it was uh, David Ray Griffin, mm-hmm. who can lay out an incredible amount of evidence in his books that what I was being uh, told on television was far from the truth, and that was the issue that kind of got me into the conspiracy stuff, and what what I found going into that was, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's real, and then a lot of stuff on the internet that is very, um, very bogus, you know, on the face of it, and then lots of stuff that seems like it could be true, and, the, and then it's also disinformation, and there's um, trying to sift through all that is, is obviously an ongoing process, but, um, you know, that's, that's what uh, got me interested in, in the stuff that uh, is similar to what you guys cover on Future Quick. Hmm. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but when you start hearing about things like 911 and those kind of stuff, you, you could almost look at your sh- 
life in chapters of like before then and after then mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it opens a Pandora's box. And um, w- one thing that's interesting, I think you would agree with me, is that when you tackle some of those kind of things and the collateral issues related to them, is that they have political and social overtones, but they have overt spiritual overtones. And they Absolutely. affect your whole cosmology of what you understand about the Bible. Uh, I would speculate that probably you grew a lot in your understanding of the Bible when you went back and had to understand those complex issues from a biblical worldview from how you were just simply raised. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I found is that, you know, you can read Old Testament, um, you know, minor prophets or, or whoever, you know, the books that are called the minor prophets, and you can find out a lot more about how society really works than by watching the evening news. You know, yeah. the, there's nothing new under the sun. It's kind of the same um, same things that are played out over and over again. And it's, you know, the the Bible's got it figured out all along, and it's just it's kind of up to, to Christians to figure out, uh, well, you know, how does God view these things? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not how, to, how do we view them, um, but... What's what's kind of the the biblical lens on what's going on around us? You know, one thing curious about the prophets is that, as of today, I don't think they have anything to sell us. Uh, there's no real financial incentive <laughs> they have for their message. Uh, well, I guess there wasn't any then either. Um, well, it it's interesting that you know whenever they wanted to find a real prophet, they had to go you know find him in a cave or something somewhere and, yeah. and bring him in. But all the false prophets were always right there in the king's courts, and I'm sure eating all of his all of his food and everything else. So, you know, the false prophets are always easy easy uh, easy for the the political power structure to find. So, do you think that a lot of those false prophets work for places like the Institute for Hebrew Future or the Competitive <laughs> Institute of you know Ancient Israel or you know those kind of pundits we have on the 24 uh, hour talk radio? Well, uh, the, the, you know, the, they were the ones that were saying, you know, O King, live forever, and okay. uh, yes, you'll be successful in this battle, and anything you do is perfect, and, and everything else. So, yeah, um, it's a, you know, it was a, a great statement I've, I found in a, a book that I was reading that, um, you know, if you're looking for the the voice of God in the Old Testament, it, it, 99% of the time comes through a prophet. And most of the time, the prophet is opposed to something that the king is doing. And it's not a situation where the prophet is representing the needs of the people. The prophets, you know, the people are usually following right along with the, the right. king. It's the it's the prophet that's representing that God has a problem with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the prophet ruins it that's for everybody, the king and the people. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, we don't have time to go into a lot of details about your book. Uh, but I recommend that our listeners, again, go back in our archives and listen to your show to get into the details. But can you give us a very quick summary of the premise of the book that you wrote and why you wrote it? Sure. The The book is called The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. And basically it was it was a learning process for me, and it was I was just trying to write down what I thought was, was good information and, you know, not contradictory to the Bible. Um and kind of point out, you know, good places where it comes from and also point out some disinformation and some stuff that I think is, uh, you know, on a spiritual level is placed there to lead people directly away from God. And um, I wanted to, to kind of show that uh, there there can be 
a, a Christian view of the conspiracy world, even though, unfortunately, uh, lots of it is kind of wrapped up in the, in the New Age uh, garbage that's out there. So, and the the issues the issues I cover I, I kind of go through, um, you know different different issues in the in the Bible and, and stuff people have pointed out kind of interesting uh, stuff in the Old Testament, um, and then then I also cover the issue of eugenics. Obviously, it's you know it's part of the the title. It's it's a fairly large section of the book, uh, false flag terrorism, basically all the stuff that. That you know, people who listen to Future Quake have uh, have probably checked out on the internet and so forth. It, it only took us like five or six hundred hours of audio to cover, and you cover <laughs> it in a, what about 143 pages of book, something like that. Um, of course, you make up for it with a very expressive cover on the front of your book, so <laughs> it tells you a lot right you on know, that cover on the front. You know, I actually have a friend, uh, a coworker that I gave that book to, and uh, I gave them a, an extra copy. Uh, for our listeners, uh, uh, Mr. Hoffman was nice enough to give me a couple extra copies of his book, and I pass them out to different people. And mostly they don't read them and give them back to me. It's like, this is too weird. <laughs> yeah. But I do give them to people, and some of them do read them, and, you know, that really changes their worldview. I gave uh, a coworker of mine a copy of that book, and they had it for like six months, and I said, have you read it? And they said, no, but I want to. No, but I want to. <laughs> and finally, they said, "I okay, I cut the cover off so I could take it to like Starbucks and read it and then they read the book in like two days isn't that amazing yeah and then they said I haven't slept in like three days <laughs> wow well boy that's a lot of comforting words you're getting you're, you're not quite in Joel Osteen territory with this kind of record wait till you, you see the book that I'm going to write you're sounding more like <laughs> well, you're sounding more like Elijah Andrew putting out this kind of material instead of like Joel Osteen or you know well, the, best the, life now. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. The the cover. You know, I could have put some some nice smiling face on the cover, but I, I didn't go with that. But you know, the the cover. It's it's not the only time it's been been cut off. Uh, I think my my aunt um, <laughs> cut it off before before she would have it around the house. She didn't want her her children scared by it. So. Well, had, uh, has there been a lot of book burnings of it? Do you know? Have they had events like that? No, I I. I uh, I don't think um, there's enough copies out there to justify the burning, but uh, you know, hopefully, well, hopefully I, in the future. I have an idea. Maybe if we would announce a book burning of your book, that might be one of the best things to publicize no, it. I thought I saw it put on it eBay the for like $200. Oh, is that right? dollars or something yeah. like that, didn't I? Well, I, I just thought if we announced it that it was such a dangerous book and needed to be burned, that that would be sort of an, you know, an indirect way of promoting the book. That's, just, that's a good idea, yeah. Just trying to think out of the box, you know, some ways yeah. to do it. Uh, speaking of impact of your book, what have been reports um, that you have heard about the impact of the book being out and feedback you've gotten since it was released? You know, and and I have to thank uh, both you and Tom because uh, Future Quake, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, the, the orders that I've got, people have said, oh, I heard you on Future Quake, so... Um, I would say, you know, a, a very large percentage, and even other interviews that I've done, usually the the hosts have heard me on Future Quake. So, We're kingmakers. Uh, did they it. did they <laughs> did yeah. they buy it because yeah. they felt sorry for you and thought that you were nice to take care of two slobs like us? Well, they they just you know that you you sold it well, but but fortunately I, I haven't had anyone say you know, hey, Doctor Future made your book sound really great, but it's it's actually terrible. I, I haven't yeah. had that comment yet. So, so they're keeping that to um, themselves then. 
Yeah. <laughs> those, those, you have very respectful uh, respectful listeners where they, yeah. they don't come back with the bad, they come back with the, the good comments. So people um, who have gotten it have uh, seemed to really like it. I've had a couple people, uh, you know, get large numbers of them for their Bible study and things like that. So Cool. Um, That's great. Now, were you, yeah. you were on Dr. Stan's show, is that right? Yeah, I was on, on with Dr. Stan on, on a couple of his different different programs. It's amazing how many different <laughs> radio shows he does yeah. still. But, um, yeah. So, awesome. Um, awesome. Well, you've been around a lot. You know, as you know, I, I felt, and I've been very honest about this, I felt your book eloquently captured the ideas and the realities that I had been assimilating in the years since we've been doing Future Quake. And, and I felt that your book um, added the essential spiritual element. Uh, to explain the the forces that impact our societal issues today, and and you cover most of the main ones that people at least should be concerned with, and, and, and not only the spirit forces, but actually their henchmen that are in power now, uh, that work alongside them. And uh, I felt that it was an ideal companion to another book we reviewed uh, by someone who's well known and highly regarded, Judge Andrew Napolitano, uh, who had written a book called Lies the Government's Told Us, uh, or Lies the Government Tells Us. And in, in, in his book, he carefully established the means by which our civil government has deceived the, the American public in every facet of society. So, so he's focused on, on these actual events, you know, from our country and things. And then you add this additional element uh, to, to, to give it the third dimension, really, of what's going on. Do, do you agree with me that these two books sort of concisely encapsulate a lot of the basics of the, the factors and the issues we face today? Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm flattered that you include my book in there, and it's. It, I think it is a good combination because if you're, um, you know, uh, my my wife and I were out to lunch with her parents and a friend of theirs, and you know they were discussing the Egypt situation and things, mm-hmm. and it it just seems so overwhelming to try to get someone from where they're at, you know who who's, you know, a, a good Christian guy and but is kind of on the, the Fox News version of, of reality to try to get them um, to look at things differently. And I think, it first of all, you, you have to kind of recognize uh, that government lies to us, and Judge Napolitano's book is, is great at pointing that out, and he's, he's great at also pointing out motivation for the lies and, and kind of, you know, it's usually to get us into war or to, um, you know, take away people's, to, to add to the government's power. So I, I think that's, that's a great book, and he's the only person on really television that I can think of that I would wholeheartedly recommend people, you know, listen to. And, um, you know, I've heard his appearances on, on Future Quake, and I know your listeners know that it, it even though it, it caused a big stir when he talked about, 9/11 on Alex Jones's show, but that was, that was old news <laughs> to uh, Futurians because he had already done that months before on on your show. So, well, thank you for pointing um, that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 right. And you know, I appreciate him not flinching in recognizing that the points he made naturally lent to that. Out well, of well, he didn't book. did he? He was just like. No. Yeah, I, I respect him for that. Didn't flinch at all. You know, I'd also told you, too, uh, Andrew, that I had felt these two books should be made available to people as a book set. Where, where actually There should be an actual effort to try to put them together. And, and that's both for their own education, for the people who, who would get them, but also it provides a means for them to educate their friends and family 
uh, as to really all the issues that we address here on, on Future Quake and similar shows, uh, in that it would be a good door opener to facilitate discussion uh, with those that are around us. And if I remember, you not only agreed with that, but, but you've since then you've encouraged me uh, to move forward with this idea. And uh, you've done even one better by uh, offering to process the orders on, on this new set that we've just made available and package and ship them. And it's a very arduous task, and you're freeing me up to do some other things the Lord uh, has for me to do right now. And it's providing us a little revenue to help us with some of our show expenses and things. So uh, we, we now have them available for order on the front of futurequake.com. And uh, they're even packaged with a wrapper sleeve that has some kind of unique Futurequake mural artwork. It's taken right off the Future Mobile on it. So it is a real distinct package set, this two-book set. Do you think, Andrew, that these book sets can be an effective way for listeners to raise the topics and perspectives we address here? with the people around them, like their family and friends and maybe even their pastors and church folk? And if so, what, why do you think so? I, I definitely think they are, and I, I think it's you know it's a great way for me personally. I have a hard time explaining all these different things to someone, and it, it can kind of feel like you're either ranting and, or getting yeah. off track and talking about a bunch of different things. And it's, it's kind of a, a less uh, invasive thing to say, Hey, you know, I, I really like these two books. I, I think they're interesting. Um, why don't you check them out? And I know I personally learned stuff from Judge Napolitano's book, and I think even even kind of veteran uh, Future Quake listeners m- might find some stuff in, in my book either they hadn't heard before right. or they had forgotten about. So I think it's good for the the veterans, but it's also good for uh, giving people to to kind of start them down that that path to understanding what's going on from a um, I guess a, a future quake type worldview. So. Yeah, if they can get their arms around the material in these two books, they can handle about 95% of what we cover in future quake. Mm-hmm. And if you can get people up to speed on this kind of information, they will actually be able to handle when you tell them the rest of the stuff that that we talk about or, or deal with. And it, they, they, I think they will start asking questions. Uh, in, in fact, before we decided to do this recently, um, I went and, and bought some of your books and some of uh, the judges' books and gave them to my relatives. Uh, these were my nieces and nephews that are just out of college or currently in college right now. And uh, I know some of my relatives sort of raised their eyebrows, you know, when they looked at them, like, you know, what's, <laughs> you know. But I thought, you know, it's enough for the materialism Christmases, you know. I have supported the materialism Babylon system long enough, Christmas after Christmas, why don't I give them something that can actually change their life rather than, you know, another music, you know, CD or something like that. And um, I'm very glad I did that. And, in fact, it was sort of interesting to see their looks on their faces when they opened up the package. But I know at least one of my nephews, I remember looking in the corner and see he had your book in his hands right there on Christmas Eve night reading it. He would already was delving into it. So um, I, I just really recommend to our listeners to seriously ponder how something like this can be a way for you to open the door. Because we cannot just be in, in Future Quake or Pid Radio or any of these kind of shows, just a show of, of you know, fellow ditto heads uh, where, where we're just preaching to the choir. We have got to be bold. Uh, we were studying this in Second Timothy in church this last week about Paul was telling uh, Timothy to get rid of the fear of timidity. Uh, and, you know, to have the, the the spirit of power, you know, and a sound mind. 
And uh, I think this is a good way for us to do that with people that are real close to us, that it's awkward to bring up some of these topics. Because uh, when you see the judge's face, everybody knows him. He has a pretty good reputation. It's a good door opener. Uh, they dive into that, and then they see that your provocative book cover. Uh, that intrigues them when they see that. And I think it's a way that we can get a lot more um, uh, success in being able to spread the word to people just with this simple act. So I just want to encourage everybody to do it, and I want to thank you publicly for what you've done to make this a reality, to make this happen. And Future Quake is benefiting because of what you're doing. Well, thank, thanks a lot, Dr. Future, and I think... Um, yeah, I would like to, to emphasize to people that it, it is a way to help um, Future Quake out financially. I, may, I know <laughs> me personally and and you guys, uh, you know, this is not exactly a profitable thing. Um, it's much more profitable to kind of make outrageous claims and yeah. um, kind of push the sensationalism aspect of, of conspiracy stuff and, you know, providing people with, with good, solid information and, like, kind of a fair analysis of it is, um, you know, is is kind of a lonelier road. Yep. And I, I think, and I can speak for myself, and I've heard other future Quake, future, uh, Quake guests say the same thing, that, you know, I've never, in in being on other shows and stuff, had, had the host as well prepared. And I know that that takes a lot of time and effort on your part as far as you know, actually reading the material and going, um, you know, preparing questions for for the guest. And that's something that, that really comes across in the podcast as being much more informative where, um, you know, most of the times it's, oh, yeah, I took a look at a couple of pages in your book and it has eugenics yeah. in the title, so why don't you talk about eugenics for yeah. uh, half yeah. an hour? So it's, it's um, you know, we appreciate what you're doing and uh, yeah, the, the Future Quake book set, it's um, a, a portion that does go t- to help uh, Future Quake defray some of the expenses. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you want to help out Future Quake, and, um, you know, it's, it's a good way to do it. Well, thank you for your kind words there. And uh, there is a temptation some weeks when things get really hectic and there's a lot of emails to answer and other stuff. To, to, to sort of pencil whip some stuff, you know, with materials. But but people deserve better than that. If they're going to invest some time to listen to a show or anything we do, uh, we need to deserve to give them our best and give the Lord our best. Um, one day I'll be able to do that, but at least if I can give a good 60% or something like that, that's that's a pretty good record <laughs> I'm for me. I'm show up on time. I mean. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good record. But, uh, hey, I, I want to ask you about uh, your new website uh, and blog you have called masspropaganda.com. What in the world is that all about? Like, you've not caused enough mischief already. What's that about, and what do you hope to accomplish with that? Yeah, that, that's that's something that hopefully will will accompany a book that I intend to actually start writing. I've been, been doing research on it for over a year. Um, and basically what I'm doing is, is reading public relations textbooks and old, you know, books by Edward Bernays and, you know, different... Uh, PR gurus and, and propaganda experts, and then people who have analyzed that uh, in the last, um, especially about 90 years, uh, World War One with the the Center for Public Information um, was kind of the kickoff for the mass propaganda era. And what the website is, I've just posted some of my own uh, essays and things on different kind of current topics like uh, WikiLeaks and, and issues like that, just kind of pointing out 
that there's there's other forces at work other than you know the news trying to provide provide us with tr- mm-hmm. truthful information. So it's it's a website that is in progress, uh, and hopefully I'll keep adding stuff to it. And you know, just uh, kind of the <laughs> to to be honest with people out there, you know, when um, you know when we see comments on on websites or when we I know, you know, if you email Dr. Future about listening to the show, that's kind of the stuff that encourages uh, those of us that are involved in this work to keep going. So yeah. to keep those emails and comments coming. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it'll, it's basically the, the topic is propaganda, and I'm trying to show um, how some – how this false media reality is created, you know, what techniques are used, and then hopefully by doing that, people will better be able to see mm-hmm. what's, you know, what's actually going on, and we kind of help each other through that process. So. You know, um, you are probably one of the most dangerous guests we have on Future Quake, for me personally, because you're always like a step ahead of me of what, from what my interests are, and you're always like in, in your other book you wrote, these were all leads, information that was of concern to me, and I'm like a tortoise in putting the stuff together on paper, and you actually got the job done and got information out there. And this is another issue that really has fascinated me, uh, the mass propaganda, because it is really much more powerful than guns, more powerful than any kind of armies, is the way that our minds have really been co-opted, and I hate to say even in the church. Uh, even though we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have allowed mass propaganda. And I don't know if part of not being an agrarian society anymore where you're out by yourself, you know, thinking on your own while you're fixing fences and things, and now we're in large groups and we're all getting the same information at the same time, if that's part of it or what. But this whole thing is something that really needs to be a priority. And again, you beat me to the punch. You're doing something about it. And I'm glad the Lord at least has you to be able to get the job done and, and get it out there. So uh, I'm just pleased. And I, the biggest compliment I can pay you, Andrew, is that uh, one of our dear friends here on the show, Robert Hyde, thinks that you are the man. <laughs> and uh, I'm well, still that... waiting for that recognition. After 30 years of knowing him, I've never gotten <laughs> that. So you've come in out of the blue and swept him off his feet. And uh, he really appreciates your post at uh, Sycamore Three. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, I, en- I enjoy his his uh, blog there at Sycamore Three, and um, he's been nice enough to to post stuff and kind of invite me to to post, um, you know, and that that motivates me to write a little bit more. So I appreciate him as well. So. Well, uh, when people read your material, what they're going to find is a mature, um, Christ-centered, biblical-centered but very, very well-read perspective on whatever you write on, even if you're just writing on your favorite dessert. Uh, it's going to have all those features. Uh, what, what are, uh, getting here toward the end here, what are uh, some perspectives you have on some issues that have really been on your mind since you last visited us and, and some of your most recent thoughts that you want our listeners to hear before we close? Yeah, there's um, a lot of it's, you know, related to the public relations thing and uh, propaganda because that's kind of what where my reading has been has been focused, and I think there's a, a couple, and you kind of touched on it as far as moving away from agrarian society. I think when um, you know the first big change was industrialization, and that kind of took uh, fathers away from the family for the most part and into factories and, and what have you. 
And the other impact of that is it made, um, you know, eventually in the early 1900s, it made mass production of things possible, and that kind of required that you convince large numbers of people that they want to buy the same thing. And that, um, you know, it's kind of a chicken or the egg type argument, but whether it was the mass advertising and mass propaganda that made people buy the stuff or whether it was, you know, the fact that it could be manufactured that way that required that, that propaganda to be created. But I think those those two things really went together. And it's really fascinating to read, you know, some of the early pioneers um, and kind of how cynical they were. And they, they really have a low opinion of people's ability to think through things and very little respect for people, especially, you know, the, the mass of people. Mm-hmm. And um, and they take you know, advantage of it and that they recognize an opportunity there to, to fleece and somebody. It, and, uh, it, um, yeah, it's, and it's very cynical. But I think now, you know, I, I'm reading books, uh, read books that were written in the 60s, and they could see the impact of mass media coming, you know, and children who were growing up with television, kind of the first generation was just growing up with television. And uh, some of them really didn't have that much hope. They thought, this thing is so huge, it's it's totally going to take over. And I think one of the questions that I still haven't resolved in my own mind yet, and I think, you know, has yet to be played out, is whether or not the, the Internet and, you know, kind of small small-type media things, um, whether this is actually going to change things in a, in a real, you know, positive way, or if, you know, the system will kind of find a way to incorporate everything in. But I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Internet, the ability to kind of strip away the uh, media con- conglomerate from information uh, is important, and it's, you know, I know... If, I could speak for myself, and you guys, we don't really have an agenda. We don't have advertisers mm-hmm. telling us what we can and can't say. Our budget so is be, exactly zero. Right. Yeah, our, our, our budget is usually in the negative. It's like, yeah. well, how much money did yeah. we lose this time? But, but yeah. now if you sell a two-book set, we can go get a sack of castles, right? Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. And go celebrate. You know, what's funny is that what you're studying, um, this kind of what has evolved into a pseudoscience uh, is being used by our megachurches to market mm-hmm. megachurches. When they, we had some new ones marketing in our neighborhood here, and you could tell it was all corporate research on yep. what they said, who they targeted, the buzzwords that they used, uh, how they're going to fill a niche for this or that, even every, all the graphics, everything that looks. Our, our Christian bookstores are all based upon demographic data, on what they think will be big sellers. It's not the case of, well, let's pray and let's see what God would tell us the body needs to hear about. It's what is ringing the cash registers. And so this doesn't just affect the general public. This is right in the heart of where the money changers are in the temple. Yeah, and there's there's a a couple quotes related to that from um, books that I've read. One of them, uh, Jockey Lewell says in the the book uh, Propaganda that, the church has to choose whether it will um, choose to embrace propaganda, and he said, in that case, it will no longer be Christianity, or it will reject propaganda, and then it will be pushed to kind of the edges of society and kind of cease to be relevant. Uh, 
And I think we've actually seen both of those. You've yeah. seen, um, you know, the, the aspects of Christianity em- embrace propaganda and embrace television and everything else. And um, the real Christianity, or, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I would say more pure Christianity, is kind of pushed off to the edges and isn't nearly as much of a cultural force mm-hmm. as, um, as perhaps it mm-hmm. used to be. We're off into our caves. And th- <laughs> those people don't get invited on Larry King, for example. Right. Uh, they're not the ones that become the Oprah of the mm-hmm. religious community. And so, you know, we're in our caves. Thank goodness the Internet still has some caves where you can mm-hmm. hear people, but they're going to probably roll some big boulders over it before too long. And so this is a golden age where people need to go get this information, download it, put it on their hard drive, or put it on some kind of permanent medium before it's gone. But but I think, you know, and so people don't think I, I'm so, you know, hopeless or, or negative mm-hmm. about things. You know, if you look at, at the way Jesus conducted his ministry, um, you know, if he had had a PR person, they would have been pulling their hair out because, yeah. you know, every time he got What do you mean you rejected together, the religious rulers of the day? You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he would, he would say something that, uh, people found offensive or, you know, people didn't understand and, and the, the big crowds would go away until the next time, you know, he'd, he yeah. would, uh, start healing people and, and taking mm-hmm. care of people. But, um, you know, it's, and it's interesting that, that in his disciples you see the different kind of political elements. You know, Peter was a zealot and wanted to take over things by force. And, um, you know, you had, I'm sure Judas was, <laughs> he was had had different ideas on how to run things, you know, more of a money-making operation. So there's, um, you know, you could see kind of the same elements playing themselves out now. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we need to say goodbye for now, but uh, in closing, could you tell our listeners how they can get your book or the two-book set uh, and also how to get a hold of your blog? Okay. Uh, The blog is at masspropaganda.com, but um, most of my posts are also up at sycamore3.blogspot.com, and along with mine, then you can see some of the other great stuff. You're a headliner there, right? Robert Hyde and the others have posted up there. So, mm-hmm. um, and then the the book set you can go to the Future Quake website and there's a link there to kind of a an online shopping cart thing that I have and um, or you can go to eugenicswars.com. Um, basically, if if you're you know looking for it, start at the Future Quake site and and go from there. And uh, it's. It's twenty nine ninety five and um, plus I think three ninety nine shipping, and you have no idea how excited you know I get when I get a, a book order for one of those things. So <laughs> you will get it. Uh, you'll get it personalized from from me, personalized and signed. And um, also, uh, Doctor Future, we were talking about possibly uh, thanking the people that order on air. So yes, and, and uh, you, you get your. You get your name mentioned on Future Quake. <laughs> oh, that's right. That. And you know what? I don't. I don't have the list in front of me, but I will get uh, read those off. And I thank you send those to me. We've only had a few come in so far, but I'll go on and get those read so they will be memorialized uh, 
and uh, I wish we could send them something else more significant other than that notoriety, but it probably gets them on the Department of Homeland Security red list. That's the only bad thing. <laughs> They'll probably be early on the FEMA truck if they hear their, their name on Future Quake. But There's actually a, a Homeland Security office pretty close to my house that might go over there and Ask if if any of us are on the list, but well, just just fax them the list over. Somehow have them a CC <laughs> yeah. on it when people make orders. Uh, l- listeners, if that's a little pricey for you and you really need get get Andrew's book. If 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 you can't swing the whole thing, just go get Andrew's book at his website eugenicswars.com. Please get his information one way or the other. Um, I, I can't recommend it more highly, uh, and I think we will be looking forward to seeing you also uh, at the. Uh, 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 pro, uh, politics of religion conference. Absolutely, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, and it's it's a good motivation for me to get all my research in order and yeah. and ready to present. And I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to hanging out with you all again. And if somebody really was offended by something in your book, they can take a swing at you live there at the conference, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We'll, we might even, if you want to throw tomatoes or whatever, you yep. got to show up to the conference to do it. So. Just form a line if you're going to do that. Uh, yeah. Brother Tommy, last words before we say goodbye to our friend? Can't wait to see you, man. It's going to be a party. <laughs> yeah. Brother Andrew, thanks for coming. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking about <laughs> some, some stuff on, on masspropaganda.com. And uh, we're so glad that uh, you're still pushing the plow here because uh, – your work's going to have a big impact over over here at the Quake. Well, thanks a lot, and, and thanks so much for, for having me on the show. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Okay, we got two mini-interviews for the money mm-hmm. this week. It's a twofer. Twofer. Stay up there in Philly. So they didn't have to hear, hear us. Yeah. A twofer. Well, that twofer. would be like more up in the northeast, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that'd be... You can't yeah. get that from here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something that we could get is some stories from you. We we can have an abbreviated tomorrow's mm-hmm. tremor. Uh, right. If you'd like to have, uh, if people aren't too winded out there from uh, breathless hearing our other mm-hmm. other friends, you got something quick to share with yeah. us. Yeah. Bob Boyce's unrequested Barrett chip and associated tumor removed. Uh, this is via PESN uh, and uh, dot com there okay. yeah it's a it's a website that's for like alternative energy products and things like mm-hmm. that um, Boyce finally had the second Vera chip implant removed yesterday with the associated tumor this is the surgical staff documented this time the surgical staff documented the implant with photos and the surgeon placed the foreign body in a specimen container and sealed it to establish chain of custody evidence and unfortunately it is radio so I can't show you the photos but it's there you know, okay. they show various things of like, you know, a little Vera chip with a little wire and the yeah. glass bottom, right. the whole thing. Right. Um, last year, we reported that Bob Boyce, the highly revered inventor of ultra-efficient electrolysis systems uh, and of a self-charging battery circuit, harnessing ed- energy from the environment, uh, had contacted terminal cancer and that the originating point was a Vera chip microchip that someone implanted in his right shoulder without his knowledge or permission. He, wow. he had a chip removed, but it turned out that another chip was still in there, implanted deeper, as confirmed by an X-ray. Uh, he's lived with that one for a year, but finally had it removed yesterday at the Fannin Regional Hospital in Blue Ridge, Georgia. The Fannin surgical staff took photos as the chip was removed from the tissue and placed in a specimen container labeled foreign body and sealed by the surgeon. The blue color of the tissue is from a dye that was injected to mark cancerous cells. 
Such chips have, have been documented to sometimes instigate tumors where they uh, are implanted, as was the case with boys. Uh, Boyce, rather. Uh, Boyce posted photos of the process on his website along with the comment. Some have said that this Verichip was a figment of my imagination. Well, this, quote, imaginary, unquote, Verichip removal was documented on film by surgical staff. And he put some photos of, you know, them pretty much in mid-surgery. He's got his mm-hmm. arm open and in there digging a chip out. The first time Boyce noticed... Uh, what turned out to be the first of two chips was in early April 2009 when he was working with a former associate, Bob Potchen of Precombustion Technology Incorporated, now The Cell, uh, who he first met in July of 2008. Potchen, formerly with NSA, was implementing Boyce's hydroxy gas booster technology into a product to take to market. Their relationship had been growing tense and Boyce was preparing to depart. After drinking a, quote, refreshment drink, Unquote. Potchin provided. Boss had fallen a Boyce had fallen asleep at a desk at PTI's office, pulling an all-nighter. When he awoke, his right shoulder felt like it had been numbed, and when he rubbed it, he noticed a small hard lump there. Having recently had some benign skin cancer removed, he assumed it was just another tumor. Thought no more of it until the skin turned red and his shoulder became very sore. Many months later. Wow. So there's. There's a poor soul who got... This was intelligence and industrial espionage that they think caused this? Nobody's really right. sure, uh, but that's sort of what they seem to be yeah. leaning towards, where somebody decided that they needed, for whatever reason, uh, Verit chips in his in his shoulder. And so they, according to what he seems to be implying is there, is that somebody drugged him, possibly this Mr. Potchin. And, um, what would be the purpose of the chip? I mean... Could they track him if he went to some other country oh, or something like that? It or, could be. Um, or what, what, is it just that when you recover him, then you can t- confirm that's him? Or it could or be can that. Or is it like RFID, where like if you walk past an RFID reader, it says he's here? It could be. It could be all yeah. of those things. Or it could be, you know, this whole thing about him getting cancer. Maybe they wanted to to yeah. to to alleviate him without, you know, hmm. bullet holes or right. you know, something like that. Right, right, right. Well, probably a good idea for all of us to check. You know, they would say check for ticks when you've been in the forest. I've got my arm. It's scaring me now. Well, get, we need to get Dr. Roger Lear on. He does the alien implant dissections. Yeah. And we could have that checked. But, or we need a home x-ray machine, one of the two. Yeah. I have to go so, talk to my chiropractor like that. about that. Well, I don't mean to be like light of that because these marks are going to be the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. The government will find some excuse to justify how we all have to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now they're doing it for trial, like, you know, something for the plague or if you've got the bird flu or that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And nobody's buying that stuff, so they'll keep coming up with a more dire circumstance mm-hmm. to justify it. So, mm-hmm. Well, i got something else for you to be concerned about. Great. And I'd like to know, I'd like to get your take on this story, okay? So I, I want you to tell me what you think about it. Uh, the title of it is from World Net Daily. It's called Imam Baseball and Apple Pie. Are you are you eating food sacrificed to idols? American pastor sounds alarm on supermarkets, restaurants. Whole Foods is amongst a, a growing number of U.S. companies offering Islamically permissible halal products at its stores. When you bite into a delicious pizza, succulent sandwich, or luscious lamb chops, you are possibly eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. An outspoken American pastor says yes, and he's sounding the alarm for Christians to be aware of the Islamic influence he calls backdoor shari- sharia, now nibbling its way across the fruited plain. I can't 
I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> this is... Go go ahead. Keep, keep at, at issue, says Mark Biltz of El Shaddai Ministries in Bonnie Lake, Washington. I assume that's probably like, um, I don't know. I assume it was a messianic Christian thing. But mm-hmm. he says, uh, is eating food, at, at issue is eating food that's halal. In other words, lawful or permitted for the Muslim diet. Muslims join many Jews and some Christians in avoiding the consumption of certain animals, such as pigs and birds of prey. But those of the Islamic faith also have their meat blessed in the name of their God, Allah. From the Christian standpoint, Allah would be an idol, Blitz told World Net Daily. For what does the Bible really say about what's considered food and what isn't? Let no man judge you in what you eat or drink. You know, yeah. New Moon Festivals, all that stuff. I, I, actually, there, there's a little advertisement in this story. Um, Sweet. Embedded within the story, it says, <laughs> yeah, what does the Bible really say about what's considered food and what isn't? Find out, plus learn the spectacular destiny of mankind that's rarely mentioned in church in this autographed number one bestseller for just four ninety five today. Is it like from the Watchtower or something? So I don't know. It's sort of related to this, but it's World Net Daily. Oh. In a sermon last weekend, which he posted online, Biltz explained, in order for it to be halal, they have to slaughter the animal facing Mecca. They have to say this prayer about Allah is great and greater than all other gods. Muslim can only eat food that is halal after it has been sacrificed to their idol Allah and with Allah's name prayed over it. You could be eating beef, chicken, etc. offered up to Allah and not even know it. I can just imagine at a Passover Seder, the caterer unbeknownst to anyone is serving halal meat. It could be on your pizza without you knowing it or at your favorite restaurant. This reminds me of the article that I read in The Onion a couple of days ago where it said that Muslims were now sending hardworking, normal, moderate Muslims over here to lull us into a false sense of security. Yeah, they had that on Onion TV, too. They had yeah. an actual story of the same thing. Yeah, it was part of their plan. Um, <clears throat> it says that people don't realize they could be eating meat sacrificed to idols. Um and then he notes the New Testament instructions warning Christians, stay away from the food that's been offered to idols, which makes it unclean. Any kind of sexual sin or eating animals have been strangled in blood, Acts 15.20. Um, and uh, re- repeated in Acts 21.25. Uh, uh, Biltz quotes directly from the Muslim-run site titled, The Islamic Guidelines to Slaughtered Animals, to let Christians know some of the procedures involved in making sure meat is halal. According to author Mufti Muhammad ibn Adam, uh, some evidences regarding the necessity of pronouncing the name of Allah when slaughtering. Uh, Allah Most High says, Eat not of meats over which Allah's name has not been pronounced. That would be impiety. Uh, so one thing that I've noticed that we're sort of lacking is any actual evidence that this has gone on anywhere. Well, uh, there's so, there's food being offered that's halal. Um, okay. I don't know if they always do this. Of course, you know. Well, so what, we hear a lot of things here about what Islam food, is. I mean, are, are, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, oh my gosh. Costco is among a growing number of American retailers offering halal food to the public. This is coming to a store near you. This is all over," said Biltz, who's concerned about restaurants offering halal meats. Uh, you won't know if the food's halal unless you ask. I think we need to be aware of these things because they don't want Christians to know that they just want to sell it and uh, get it out there. Uh, Christians are upset as they're finding out about this because Christians are saying, how come you didn't tell me? Uh, the Chicago-based Islamic Food and Nutrition Council of America, IFANCA, agrees everyone should be properly informed about food classification, but spokesman says she's taken aback when she hears some of the rhetoric about Muslims. 
she says, of course yeah, it bothers, of course it bothers me personally that my own religion is not portrayed very positively in the media, says Maria Omar. Um, naturally Muslims don't believe they're worshiping idols. It is unfortunate that some organizations malign halal. I want to change his perspective. It's just a food market need for certain people, and if Americans can benefit by providing this need, all the better. Uh, she says part of the ignorance problem regarding the status of meat has to do with the global marketplace and countries of origin for food. A lot of times when you're importing food from large meat-producing regions such as New Zealand or Denmark, these meats are already slaughtered in the Islamic guidelines. So we may have been eating it already anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot of their trade is with the Middle East, and, and they don't know where everything is going. All meat they export is halal standard. If it happens to go to the U.S. or England, nobody knows since it's not advertised or labeled. Um, uh, so, uh, but she says, you know, people should be informed. Connecticut-based Subway uh, is proud to offer halal food in communities where there's a demand for it. Uh, Subway is promoting its halal certified meats in the United Kingdom, where there's been a greater demand than it's in the um, United States. Uh, so that's that's sort of the basics of it. Even the American Family Association weighs in. Brian Fisher, Director of Issue Analysis for Government and Public Policy at the American Family Association. Who funds people like this? Who funds that group? I... Uh, he said Americans need to look at what's been taking place in Britain when it comes to the expansion everybody, of Islamic. Has everybody faith. like lost their mind? I, like seriously, I, you know, I mean, it seems to me the Bible is like, like, look, you can eat what you want, um, you know. Yeah, they say some chicken butchers in the UK slaughter chickens using an automatic circular saw, while a tape recorder intones the Islamic prayer. I kid you not. So. That's I, I, that's our main concern that we have in our country is 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 this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's admitting selling halal chicken in the UK without telling its customers uh, in chicken McNuggets and McChicken sandwich. Well, that's simple. Don't eat there. Um, <laughs> but you know, you McDonald's and McDonald's and Walmart are now selling halal products. Uh, Whole Foods is doing it, including frozen Indian entrees called Saffron Road. Mm. Campbell's Soup caused a stir when it launched an expanded line of vegetarian soup, all certified as a law. Um, which, if they're vegetarian, I assume that just means it didn't have bad stuff in it for Muslims in it. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, um, it says, interestingly, the animals acceptable for Muslims to eat are in accordance with numerous scriptures from the Christian Bible which also classifies creatures such as pigs, shellfish, and those with paws and reptiles, is unclean. Where in the New Testament? Uh, yeah, it's... I'm sure they give copious well, references to make a blanket statement. Leviticus like 11 and yeah. Deuteronomy 14, although we know some Christians who believe we're still supposed to obey the law. Okay, so. yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that. But, yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, Bill stresses he's not against halal food. Halal stores are Muslims. But says Christians may want to know what they're eating halal food. It's not much a religious thing, but an awareness thing. I have a couple comments, if you'd All like right. on that. I, I, I can't even, I can't um, even, I didn't even know where to begin, so why don't you lay it on us? Okay, those passages are in um, Scripture, and they're correct, and that was an environment where, you know, you saw these pagan gods, and you went out of the market, and they said, hey, this was off offered to, you, you know, who know who God, you know, do you want to eat it? But they're ignoring the whole counsel of God. Because what did Paul say? Paul says, when I go, I don't even ask whether it's been a sacrifice to idols. He would not ask 
But he says, if someone says that, you know, this is or that's been sacrificed to idols, and I think a brother will stumble, then I consider the context of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, he says all things are meat to eat. He says we're at liberty to eat all things or not eat things. But it's all about the context of a brother stumbling, which was not mentioned in here. So Paul would have issue with this, I think. Um, you know, I would I would wonder in in interacting with some of those some of those groups, I find that they they draw in order to get around that they say, well, Paul really is something different, and he's sort of an aberration of Christianity. Well, which makes a whole other kettle of fish about yeah, theology when you start uh, doing that. Very well, here's the other thing too, and people will say this is a bad analogy. Um, not only do Christians eat kosher food all the time, but they think it's sort of cool, sort of chic to do it. Mm-hmm. If they eat like a kosher hot dog or they eat other kosher food or whatever, they think that sort of makes them sort of like extra special Christian because they've eaten this or that. Now, I'm not getting the people who feel convicted that way. You know, that's your own conviction with God. But I'm just talking about people who don't have those convictions, but they think it's sort of cool to mm-hmm. eat, you know, kosher food and things like this. Not realizing that, you know... They're doing the, the same thing. Well, the same rabbis, and this is going to get me in big trouble, the same rabbis who are doing these blessings follow the Talmud that says our Savior is boiling an excrement in hell. Mm-hmm. According to the citations them, I've them, read... Yeah, calls him the whore son and the... Yeah. You know, terrible, terrible yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, and that's what that's what they teach while they're doing that, okay? Now, just because they're doing that, I don't... I don't hate or despise or afraid of all Jewish people because of that, and I enjoy. They're coming over the gates. Look at well, Oh my you know, gosh! No, 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 no. You know no, what? No. There were times when when Christian culture was like that and did that to the Jewish people and did it terrible, mm-hmm. and they spread all these kind of fear kind of things like this. It, it, you know, and now now we have another thing where somebody is fixing food so that it can be within their moral conscience of what they feel like, you know, to God or what they've done. We don't know when we don't know what it is. You know, don't care. I just don't get it. It's it's like they're trying to find something. We're trying to figure out some kind of excuse to hang all of them. Sure. This is it like, something we can do to get them and you know, keep Nazism, coming up with some kind of... You know, like the Nazi scare and all that stuff. Now, and it is naturally scary. Then, yeah, it's naturally scary. When America has been so isolated yeah. culturally. We have been so completely insular that when we have other cultures coming in that have these different traditions... You know, a lot of parts of the country, if you have a Jewish family come in and have Jewish traditions and things, that makes them uncomfortable. And that's always been a traditional thing of tension in a society, you know, when you have somebody like that. Now now we've got this coming in, and people are feeling very uncomfortable that people have different convictions or beliefs within civil society, getting nothing to do with endorsing the religious positions of these people. You know, where they are, I mean, that's that's a whole other issue for us to address. But they feel like they're taking over. They're coming in and taking over. Suddenly, there is food available many, to accommodate I, their religious yeah. convictions. Uh, I, well, I, I uh, you know, this might be a little bit too strong, but I really think it kind of shows which kingdom you're wanting to advance when you're trying to fearmonger and and seize a civil control over something. One of the things that I've said again and again uh, is that, you know, you're not going to get your head cut off here if you go and witness to a Muslim. He could stand on a street, street on on, yeah. on a street corner in front of his house with a sign that says "Jesus loves you." Yeah, and the police will most likely roll up and say it's probably bad form to do this in front of a Muslim's house. And right. you can say, "Well, this is my right," and I, yeah. you know, yeah, and well, it's, still, it's your right. But you know what people will say? Well, that's going to change. 
If we don't well, keep an eye on them. Well, you need to them, go and do it right now. Well, the, you need the, to get out there and start witnessing like change. crazy. The, 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 the answer, <laughs> in other words, the Lord is sending people of another faith in our back door, and we are taking a pass. I mean, we don't even have to risk our lives right now like they do if you go over in a Middle Eastern country to do it. Yeah, You're putting Nobody's it on a silver platter, head off. a silver platter for us to share our faith, and we are complaining that God has sent people mm-hmm. the field white to harvest. Mm-hmm. You know, this harvest it a, might come kill me. I was at a meeting. I, I think I've talked about this before. I was at a meeting of a guy who was a um, from Beirut and became a Christian and was you know mm-hmm. trying to get people interested in you know witnessing to Muslims. He yeah. said, "Look, there's Muslims coming over here, and many of them." realize that Islam has problems, and if they can meet somebody yeah. who's like a real Christian, they want to know about it. Right. They just want to be, you know, they just you just they just they want somebody to talk to. They don't it's, want somebody it's to jump It's the same up. thing we picture people in Russia. We see these pictures of the May Day parades where they're all marching lockstep with their mm-hmm. guns, and we think every single Russian that lived out across the whole country, yeah, they're out that's there all like they sharpening did. sharpening their bayonets. Just, yeah, we're coming to get stabbing you. a picture of Uncle Sam, you know, every day. <laughs> that's all they did. When they're farmers that hate their government just as much as we do, you know, Probably and they want to be more. around people and they'd give you anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a situation, like you say, where a lot of these people are disgruntled with their faith. Mm-hmm. They've seen the worst of it, you know. You know, I had a I had a friend, a friend of a friend was meeting with a with an imam, and he said that they were meeting and just talking about you know God in general. And yeah. The imam said something like, you know, I'm happy being a Muslim, but if I can, if if something's wrong with it, if there is a better way, I would rather know about it. I mean, that's like low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and but but back to my back to this meeting, uh, the first question from the floor were two people who who were were adamant on not identifying themselves. Yeah. There was a, a a thing where we all sort of passed a microphone around the room and introduced yeah. ourselves. And uh, they were adamant about not introducing themselves. And the first yeah. question was, is Muslims have taken over every country they've ever tried to in the last 1,400 years. So how do we stop them from yeah. from, from ending Christianity? Yeah. And, it's, and, and that's a very telling statement because what you've just yeah. said is that, A, somehow God is not in control. Right. He, and, and right. S- he doesn't have dominion over these people. Uh-huh. B, they can't be saved or shouldn't be saved. Yeah. And C, you're... Very interested in temporal power and the status quo and uh, the things of this mm. world rather than the things of the kingdom it's of God. It's all about bloodshed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what, what someone should have said when they said anywhere that they've gone have conquered? Isn't that true of America? Mm-hmm. Isn't anywhere Americas have gone they've conquered and subjugated? Yeah. I, I almost stood up and answered the question, but then I thought, you know, it's not my talk. Maybe I should. Yeah. Uh, and the speaker was the speaker was I think far too gracious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a story, a, sh- a brief one that is sh- puts the other side of the coin to that. Mm-hmm. So if you got something else to read, just go to it because I, I no, know no, we're running it over time. I, I have several stories, but one I, I'm, I'm interested. Are in you yours. sure? Because yeah. I just we're getting toward the end here, and uh, uh, I did, I want you to if you want to get another story in. No, 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 no please. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get this wrapped up now. We just talked about these scary people who look different than us, that have different food customs, and therefore we need to be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about somebody who's one of our people, one of our heroes that we know is on the up and up with us. Uh, if we had to make a list of people in the last 30 years who really have all of our good conservative values that represent us, Ronald Reagan would probably come to the top of the list. Second might be 
Margaret Thatcher, right? No. Well, I think I think as far as general conservatives, they considered her well, Iron Maggie. Conservatives. Yeah, I, I was always creeped out by her by the stuff that she said. Are you normal? Are you an average guy? Answer that question. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. right, Joe. Yeah, I'll let our listeners make that determination. Uh, okay, this is Margaret Thatcher, one of us, one of our good, godly, God-fearing she's people British. that we know. Yeah. yeah, you know she's God-fearing. Yeah. You well, ever hung out with her? Well, let me explain here. Okay. She's at least a God-fearing. Um, oh. This is from the Telegraph. Uh, stories just come out recently in their main newspapers. Margaret Thatcher held secret meetings with Indian mystic. Uh, Margaret, now this is Iron Maggie, you know, the best friend of, of Ronald Reagan, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, upholding the West, Western values. Margaret Thatcher held secret meetings with a controversial Indian mystic soon after she became leader of the Tory opposition. The Iron Lady, who was known for her no-nonsense direct approach, conversed with self-proclaimed faith healer and preacher Sri Chandraswamy in 1975 in her commons office. And the future prime minister was so impressed with his apparent powers that she agreed to his request to wear a special red dress and a battered talisman around her wrist to a second meeting. There it is claimed the bearded guru correctly predicted that she would come to power within four years and remain there for more than a decade. Details of these extraordinary meetings were revealed by former Indian foreign minister Sri Natar Singh, uh, who was president when they took place. In 1975, he was India's Deputy High Commissioner to the UK when Mr. Uh, Chandra Swamy arrived in London and apparently demanded a meeting with Mrs. Thatcher. The mystic had already made a name for himself as a spiritual advisor to celebrities and political leaders, including Nancy Reagan, Elizabeth Taylor, the Sultan of Brunei, and controversial Saudi businessman Agnan Khashoggi. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we have Nancy uh, for him. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Singh was still astonished when Mrs. Thatcher agreed to meet the guru, albeit insisting the session would last only ten minutes. It is claimed Mr. Chandraswamy arrived at her commons office wearing an orange shawl with a tilak mark on his forehead, beads around his neck, and carrying a staff in his right hand. After introducing himself, he gave Mrs. Thatcher five strips of paper and, with Mr. Singh's help as translator, asked her to write a question on each. She obliged with scarcely camouflaged irritation and watched as the guru closed his eyes and went to a trance. When he emerged, he asked Mrs. Thatcher to open the paper balls one by one and correctly told her the question written on each. Um, I've seen card tricks like that, isn't it? Yeah, this sounds like like, a card. You know, that that dude who's on TV, this angel or whatever. Simon the Sorcerer. Irritation gave way to subdued curiosity, Mr. Singh recalled. By the fourth question, I thought, she began to consider Chandraswamy a holy man indeed. Because he could do these card tricks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Chandraswamy was like a triumphant guru and took off his slippers and sat on the sofa in the lotus position. I was appalled, but Mrs. Thatcher seemed to approve. She asked more questions, and in each case, Chandraswamy's response overwhelmed her. The mystic cut short the meeting when he announced that the sun had set, meaning he was unable to continue. So the Western culture that we're we're preserving, you know, with our great leaders that we revere, this, this is their great religious commitment. Mm-hmm. That's that's their foundation that we're preserving in the West versus these people who have weird dietary laws. So, I'm sorry. There may have been just a tinge of sarcasm in those comments. I, I can't take it. I just... They're coming over the gates. Here they come with the scimitars in their teeth. Yeah. 
you've seen too many of those Sinbad movies. But you know, that's what it really does sound like. It it sounds like it's like bad cinema. It's, it's bad cinema. It's it's like the Sinbad movies. Like you know, those skeletons with those scimitars are going to come. Start it's like the mummy us. movies. You know, yeah. where's a. Uh, uh, What's that guy who played the yeah, Mun movie? Yeah, yeah you know, Johansson. people are gonna people are gonna make us. Uh, oh, I'm sure they eat our words because they say, "Look at all this crazy stuff." Yeah, there's going gonna on be overseas. somebody who sends sends an email telling me how crazy and wrong I am and stuff, and that's yeah. fine. They can get to least show. for a new topic. Yeah, but I tell you what, if I could do something uh, for those crazy people overseas that all want to kill us mm-hmm. over there, could I actually pray for them? Would you mind if I did that? Can I can I lead us in a prayer? That is the best thing I have ever heard. For you know, take in, a break from telling in, them how 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 evil they are in and my they four worship years a moon god. A future quake. That is that we've hit finally, a new pinnacle. Finally, okay. Yeah. Well, would you would you oblige me here while, I, while I say a prayer? Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those people in the middle of all the mess going on in the Middle East right mm-hmm. now, in in all the different countries, Tunisia, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's spread now. We have Lebanon problems. We have Jordan. Of course, Israel is concerned. Lord, I pray. It's so confusing. I don't know. Uh, the the media here is untrustworthy. It's not like your word, Lord. It's it's completely bought and paid for. Um, so it's so hard to figure out in, in our limited ability what's really going on. But I pray for this, Lord, because I know it's your will. I pray that all people over there of goodwill that uh, do not have any agendas over other people or have any other kind of power trips that they want over others, I pray that you would protect them, Lord. I pray mm-hmm. whether they are uh, Christian, Jew, Muslim, whatever they are, Lord, if they are people of goodwill that just want to raise their families and take care of people in their neighborhood, I pray that you look out for them and don't let mm-hmm. them be harmed mm-hmm. by, by power brokers. and their leaders in all those respective communities that have other agendas that are personal. Lord, I pray that you would expose them and that through this chaos, somehow they'd be brought to justice, Lord, if it's the time. If, if it's not to be until the, the time that you return, so be it. But, Lord, I just pray for the innocent people over there, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't be hoodwinked to do violent things to each other, uh, to their neighbors of, of different faiths, Lord, that they're also raising their families. Just convict them on, on all sides, Lord, not not to do the foolishness of their leaders. And, uh, Lord, just expose the true enemies of people. Lord, because they're your enemies too, uh, mm-hmm. and and that goes on all sides, and that includes even our meddling, Lord, uh, America, Britain, any other countries, Iran that meddle in the affairs of these people, Lord, um, constrain them, Lord, uh, keep them from being able to co-opt uh, any other kind of third-party groups that would that would tend to do that for for anything other than the, than the most altruistic motives, Lord. We pray for these people. We we say in faith, Lord. Uh, we know that, that those people of goodwill are crying out to you already, Lord. We pray you'd hear their prayers. Lord, we yeah. thank you so much for the privilege of coming before you. We thank you for the, the safety we have now, which is only a gift from you and can be taken at any time, Lord. And it has nothing to do with the religions of the people around us in our country. It has nothing to do with who we allow in our country or not allow. It's whether you choose to protect us or not, Lord, and how obedient we are to you. Lord, that really is the real impact on our safety and security. And whether we're safe or not, Lord, help us just to share our faith and share the good news for people we love, people who are different with us. Let our love for them cause us to share the good news we've heard and let them decide how they want to respond to it, Lord. Uh, We thank you again for the privilege of of this show and for all our listeners out Mm -hmm. there who support us. 
uh, and, and listen in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Is that a good way to wrap up this show? That's awesome. Sorry we didn't get more stories. That's man. okay. I'm sorry. It's cool. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for sticking with us. We went a little bit over time here, but uh, we got to see some friends on our show, which is always mm-hmm. good. Come back uh, next week for another great Future Quake show. Keep those folks over in the Middle East in your prayers. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.